Today, we're talking to one of the top men's coaches in the country. Stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of Men on Point, a podcast from Victories. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, I'm going to be speaking with top entrepreneurial coach and actually a coach in all areas of life, Trip Lanier. Uh, before we get to Trip, just a few quick reminders to check to see what Victories is offering in terms of weekend programming. Uh, please check their website, victoriesformen.org. We have all of our events. And by the way, we have more than just weekend events. There are one-day events. There are support groups you can uh, jump in on if you're new to Victories. If you want to reconnect with Victories and find a personal growth group, you can do that there as well. So again, victoriesformen.org to learn about all our upcoming events and to get connected to Victories. Let's get right to it. My conversation with Trip Lanier. All right, today on the show, we have Trip Lanier. Let me tell you more about Trip. Now, Trip Lanier is the author of This Book Will Make You Dangerous. He is also the host of the New Man podcast, Beyond the Macho Jerk and the New Age Wimp. And since 2007, has been downloaded millions and millions of times. Now, since 2005, Trip has spent thousands of hours coaching people all over the world to get out of the rat race, become an authority in their field, and make a great living doing the work they were put on this earth to do. And over the years, he's designed several businesses to support a simple lifestyle focused on freedom, ease, meaning, and fun. And Trip has done some really cool stuff in his life. He's thrown himself into everything from 10-day silent meditation retreats to plant medicine journeys to men's groups in the Costa Rican jungle to somatic sex intenses in its intensives in his bedroom to drinks with Zen masters. Now, Trip is married to therapist and relationship coach Allison Lanier and has the best daughter in the whole wide world. They live in a small beach town in North Carolina where he spends much of his time surfing, playing music, and enjoying a simple life. Now visit all things trip at W or I'm sorry, at the new man Again, the new man uh, subscribe to his podcast, the new man consider trip. If you are looking for a personal and professional coach and also check out his book on Amazon, their links to all of this will be in the show notes trip. Welcome to uh, welcome to men on point. Thank you so much, DJ. I appreciate the intro. I am. I'm such a fan of yours. I, uh, I was telling trip before, well, I actually didn't tell you this before we started, but I'm not sure how I found your podcast because as far as I can tell, and I don't know, maybe this isn't the case, but I suspect it is, uh, you are the longest running man men's podcast specifically around men's issues, men's development. Um, and I am just so impressed with the longevity you've had in the space. I, I remember finding your podcast before I even knew what podcasts were. Um, and and that, I remember- Is that correct? The longest running? It's I mean, gotta, I, it might have be. to be. I mean, I can't think of anyone else who's doing it longer. Wow. I mean, it's possible. But anyway, you've been doing it a heck of a long time, 15 plus years. And 
I remember this is before there were even really a lot of podcasts. Well, there was this is before apps and, and everything. So in order to find your podcast, I remember I had a Google reader, if we remember those days when people used that, and I would put your RSS feed in there. And that's how I knew when a new episode would come up, you know, there'd be like a little tick next to your name and I go, Oh, trip just came out with a new episode. So it's, wow. it's become a lot easier now to subscribe and listen to podcasts, but you were, you were like the first, you might've been the first podcast I ever listened to. So I am grateful to you for, for your longevity and you, the guests you have had on your show. I mean, it's just a who's who of people in the self-help world and self-development world and the men's men's work world. Um, it's, it's, this is, this is a big honor for me to speak to you. So thank you. Oh, thank you, man. I, you know, I don't really think, I don't really look in the rearview mirror, mirror too much, but it is pretty wild to think that it's been around that long. And um, yeah, I remember, I remember getting an email one day, somebody took a screenshot and it was like, we're beating Oprah in the podcast world. <laughs> Our podcast was bigger than Oprah. Nice. <laughs> so, for whatever that's worth, you know, I think there were seven podcasts out at the time. You know, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> oh, that, well, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing that, that you've continued to do this. It's really like a testament to also just doing something consistently and over time, you know, sort of putting the blinders on and, and you've built a whole business and career, um, that, that really the podcast, you know, seemed to really help launch, which is also super exciting. And it's amazing that you are still as popular today. Maybe I'm sure more popular than when I first found you all those years ago. Um, but I would love to, I've never really heard much about your own personal journey, and I'm sure you've talked about it before on, on episodes I've missed. But for our audience, who's who's likely new to you, um, tell us about how you got into the space. I mean, what you know, what caused you to to want to become a coach and and also start the podcast? Yeah. So, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> I I had I had created a really awesome life. I I started my first business five months after graduating from college. And the aim of that business was so that I could make enough money to make records and travel and surf and, and that kind of thing. And this was, you know, years before Tim Ferriss had written his book. And, and so I was on this path and I was really clear that I wanted to do something that just, just allowed me to support that lifestyle. And, and I think that's been pretty consistent in the way that I've approached a career and work this whole time. Um, but nonetheless, it still took a lot of work and it still took a lot of time and energy. And then it did well, it did really well. And at a very early age, I could start to see that, wait a second, is this really what I want to be doing 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road still? Like I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have that, that in me. And, and I had just gone through a really big, um, situation where I finally dealt with the grief of losing my mom. She took her life when I was 13 and, and I hadn't dealt with it for, you know, good 12 or 13 years. So I'm in my mid twenties and I'm starting to second guess my career and I go through this emotional thing. Like what's life all about? And I just, everything was on its side for me. And that opened the doorway to getting curious about personal development, personal growth. And I, you know, through that door, just was I was voracious about reading books, and then that that led me to start taking, you know, going on retreats and those types of things. And um, eventually, that you know, I just loved having conversations with people that were about, you know, what life, what, what's life really all about. And being from an art background, coaching was natural for me in the sense that it was like having a music producer in your life. It was you're the artist. 
you're the one with the vision. And then I want to, I'm here to support you in that so that you can, you know, guide you along the path, but it's ultimately about what you want to create. And I'm here to help you stay on track and not get lost in the ditch and that kind of thing. And so coaching fit beautifully into that, that framework for, you know, how my mind worked, that it was a creative process. And um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. And we can go down any one of those roads if you want to, but I'll just pause there. Well, I, th- I think that's a that's a good place to pause because I, I think a lot about coaching and it's it's one of those things that I think not enough people or not enough men in particular and and uh, you know it, really anybody uh, not enough people really take advantage of this and, and and make it a priority in their life. I mean, I I know whenever I think about business coaching or personal coaching. You know, you have a, your more traditional ways uh, of, of dealing with with issues. There's, you know, there's therapists and there's there's all sorts of different ways to get help. Um, but but hiring a coach is, is something that I think a lot of people just don't think about. And then, but but to reframe it, you know, I just got back from the gym um, and I have a personal trainer. And it's not I don't have a personal trainer because I don't know which exercises to do. I do. I mean, it's not that complicated. There's enough information out there. Where I don't need a coach necessarily to tell me what to do, but I need somebody there to guide me, make sure I'm doing things correctly and making sure my form is right, keeping me on track, holding me accountable. And, and just, there's just something magical about having another person there, um, whether it's, you know, in the gym or whether it's, you know, business or personal. Um, and, and so I, I'm, and we, you know, we think about it just like staying on the, 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 the gym sort of, uh, analogy is that every athlete has a coach. So, you know, I'm thinking like in my business personally, like I don't have a business coach right now. And that there's, that's a kind of a silly idea because I think coaching is it's, it's always helped me anytime I've ever had coaching. It's always allowed me to break through some sort of perceived barrier. Um, and I'm just curious sort of what, what your experience has been through, gosh, the, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of men you've coached in, in your life. Um, do you, do you find that many of them, um, you're the first time they've worked with a coach? Less and less. I mean, at this stage, especially people that have done fairly well for themselves, they're familiar with coaching. They're familiar with, Hey, if I really, you know, if I'm really committed to what I want to create, then I'm used to putting horsepower behind it. I think it's the part of us that wants to go a little amateur hour on it or treat things like a hobby that has us stay stuck. And well, maybe I can get by with some YouTube videos and a, and a book, or maybe I'll take this $99 weekend course and then that's going to be it. But for those of us that, you know, really understand the the process of long-term change, it's, it's about what are we doing on a daily, on a weekly basis over and over again, over time, that's where the changes really take place. And so the people that I work with understand that more and more that if we really want to make a change, whether it's in their career, their relationships, maybe it's on a personal level, whatever it is that you want to create a container that makes it as easy as possible for that change to take place. It puts the wind at your back instead of, gosh, I hope I'll follow through today, or I hope that I'll remember to do X, Y, Z today or whatever it is. And when we're, when we're left to our own devices, we're allowed to dick around. We can lie to ourselves. We can kind of put up this facade of the world, but it doesn't give us a peace of mind, a sense of peace when our p- head hits the pillow at night and right. shit, I, I didn't do that thing that I said I wanted to do 
and I'm still and, stuck And there's here. no real, uh, no specific consequence sometimes other than knowing that we didn't achieve something for ourselves because there isn't that third party sort of holding us, holding that, that thing present for us. Like, okay, you didn't get it done yesterday. Let's talk about that. Or let's explore why that happened and what you can do differently. Um, you're right. Because I know for me, if I lay my head down at night and I didn't get something done that I'm like, I should have done that. Um, then I wrestle with this whole shame or guilt, this, like, I should have done it. I, you know, and I get kind of trapped in this, uh, cycle of like, you should have done it. You didn't do it. What's wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I just don't want to think about that. It's too painful. It's too much work. And I just pass out and go to bed instead, wake up the next day, rinse and repeat. Same thing doesn't get done the next day. And, and I think having someone else to, uh, to, to check in with sort of almost externalizes a lot of issues that maybe I would hold internally and have a lot of judgment about if I don't get something done where I can, I can hand that stuff over to someone like you. And it's not that I no longer have judgment about it, but I have someone else that's, that's got a different perspective that, that knows what my pitfalls might be, my, my danger spots and can keep me on track. Yeah. You know, for me, I was in a place when I joined my first men's group and I was dicking around in my relationship. I was dicking around in my business. I just had, I could just, I was, I created an environment where I was allowed to dick around. I was allowed to be full of shit and showing up to that meeting every two weeks. I didn't want to hear my excuses actually come out of my mouth and tell those guys <laughs> those yeah. things. And just knowing that I was going to have that meeting, I started honoring my word. My word started to mean so much more. Mm. And very quickly, a lot of the, the changes that I'd been waiting to make took place. And so it's just, like I said, it's just having a, a solid container where we're feel safe enough to tell the truth and to feel safe enough about what we're excited to create and then also be like, okay, we're going to do this. And we're going to do this at a pace that doesn't, you know, create a ton of chaos or st stress you out. But at the same time, we're not going to, it's not a, it's no longer an option to just kind of hang out back at the bus station and, and hope your hope the next ride is the one for you. Yeah. I, I remember hearing, uh, from Brian Tracy, uh, who, who a lot of people are going to probably know from the self-development world and I, I think he's still out there doing it, or at least he has been for the last 50 or 60 years, but he said something and, and it was my favorite thing he ever said is he goes, no one's coming to save you. <laughs> and I always thought, boy, what a great thing for personal responsibility, but you can, but you, but somebody can come help, you know, you save yourself, which I think comes in the way of, you know, someone else, a coach, uh, some sort of guide to help you through, through the difficult times, because, you know, I always think like, the same mind that, that I'm that, you know, the, the person that didn't get the certain thing done, he was supposed to do today, which is usually me. Um, now I'm going to use that same brain to try to solve these problems that I created it. Yeah. Once in a while, maybe I can solve something on my own. Usually I can't, <laughs> usually I need some help. Yeah. And I just think that, that, you know, coaches and, and people like that are, are just so, so incredibly important. I mean, the gym, uh, back to the gym, I, I never went to the gym in my life. I mean, not not never, but I never went consistently because I just not built that way. I wish, I wish I was. Um, and I got a trainer two and a half years ago and now I go three times a week and I've never missed and it's expensive and it sucks that I have to pay for it. But, um, the results are there and two and a half years later, I'm like, wow, I'm actually, I'm like strong. And like, that's never happened before. So I, I always like the idea of having someone else 
And, and also, I think this idea of telling the truth, you, you were saying this, you know, in your men's circle, this idea of having to say, I had a friend who was a, was a big uh, player in the Mankind Project um, uh, hierarchy at some point, and he used to say the hardest thing you'll ever do is tell the truth. And I was like, well, I don't really understand what that meant. And when you were saying about having to say, you know, uh, in, in whatever men's group you were in to be able to have to say, well, I didn't get this thing accomplished. It, it is hard to tell the hard truths. And that's what a coach allows you to do is they create the safe place or a men's group can do that too, where you can like say the hard things that you don't even want to admit to yourself and sort of live in the shadow and live kind of in the, uh, in the, in the shameful parts of us. It's like, oh, I can, I can tell somebody that I didn't do this one thing. And it's not, doesn't mean I'm a, you know, a piece of garbage. Yeah. And it might be even more scary to name what we want to do. Oof. So, so funny enough, sorry to interrupt, but the, the same guy who said the hardest thing you'll do, he said, actually, there's the two hardest things you'll ever do. Tell the truth and ask for what you want. <laughs> so I am so on board with that. Uh, yeah. It is, oh boy, asking for what you want. That is terrifying because uh, people can say no and they can hurt you with it. They could, there's most people won't I've, I've found, but, but it is, it is this idea that I'm going to give you something that you can use to weaponize and, and hurt me with if you want to. And, um, and, and yeah, so it can be very, very scary. For sure. Yeah. And even just to admit to ourselves that we want X, Y, Z. Oh, if I want this, then. What does that mean about my marriage or what does that mean about, you know, my choices or what does this mean about my future? A lot of that, you know, a lot of our, what we truly want, what's right for us is buried underneath a lot of shoulds and um, supposed tos and identity. Well, I've, I'm, I'm this guy I established who I was years ago and I'm this guy. And it's a really a big, a lot of stuff that I do with guys is around creating this next phase of their lives. And it's, it's threatening to their identity. Um, it's threatening to sure. consider something new because who knows what well, there's a big question mark around what that might be. They're they're more comfortable hanging out in the familiar territory where they sure. even though they feel trapped or drained or you know uninspired there. Yeah, it's, I see this a lot in in relationships, and I certainly have been in relationships like this too, where it's like, oh, the yelling at each other. We know how to do that. That's comfortable for us, even though it's not what we really want consciously. But we know how to do that. It's actually a lot less comfortable to not be in conflict, uh, you know, for a period of time before you you learn how to cope with that. But um, but you're right, you know, the comfortable even if when it's painful or destructive. Uh, is something that it's, it's maybe it's just our brains are wired to go to what we know. Um, and, and somebody like, like you can then help us break out of that and say, Hey, let's, let's think about if we were to redesign, you know, kind of where you are now versus where you want to be. Um, it's, it's a powerful, it's a powerful sort of tech, uh, you know, process, which, but I think you need a third party person to do that. I think it's, 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 or it's at least most helpful, um, that somebody can guide you who doesn't have all your baggage that you're, uh, you're, you know, going down the same lane, the same way every time. Um, but I, I before we get into all the coaching and I know we've, I sort of sidetracked us into that. Um, I really want to, want to make sure everybody who listens to the show checks out your show. I I'm just such a fan. Um, you have had some of the biggest names, uh, really on your show. The, the list is just way too long to go into, but, um, I'm curious on what you've learned. I mean, I can't, it's such a silly question because I know you've learned yourself a million things from all these great, you know, people who are, are, are just have a lot of, uh, have a lot of things to say and, 
and, and are really well respected in, in their fields. But I imagine for you doing the podcast, it must be so exciting because you're constantly learning yourself just by having these conversations with these, these crazy, uh, you know, the people in, you know, who are authors and scientists and all sorts. Um, do you, does it, is it still as exciting today as it once was when you're chatting with a guest? I think so. And, uh, you know, but interestingly enough, I, um, some people that have great ideas and they might have the book and everything, they're not the most interesting folks to talk to. <laughs> um, whereas some, I, I've, I've, over the years, I've enjoyed just meeting people and that have a story. They seem to be rather quote, ordinary people, but they've done something extraordinary. And I've found that digging into their story and telling that, helping them tell their story. There's something really powerful about that because as a listener, it's you, you might put the expert on a pedestal. Oh, yeah. he's done all of this research and he's sold all these books. He's got it blah, all blah, figured blah. out. He's got it all figured out. But this guy, he lives up the street from me and he just did X, Y, Z in his life. If he can do it, I can do it too. There's something disruptive about that. And I've, I, I, as you asked that question, one of the first things that I went to is that I think some of those conversations with the the folks that aren't so much the experts were the ones that can stick out to me and and can be the most transformative. Um, they're usually a lot more raw. The the experts are, tend to be very polished and they don't like to get very vulnerable. Um, and I'm not shitting on them, but I I just it's you know you're getting a product. A lot of these people are very studied and they've got a brand and they've got a thing that they put out and they all bring a very important piece of the puzzle of our of our knowledge and and, and ability to understand things. Uh, but in terms of what excites me, I, I, it's always interesting to go into new territory with people and you, and I don't know what's going to happen on those conversations. And I find that's a lot more like coaching. Um, and I find that those conversations are much more engaging for me, which is why I've started releasing actual coaching conversations with people as podcasts recently. Yeah, I, I've I've seen that and and heard that, and I I really enjoy that as well. I I'm a big fan of of just hearing two people talk uh, who are interesting and thoughtful and you know considerate uh, and and empathic, which um, which I feel that 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 is that is you. And um, but tell us, I would love to to hear about some of your favorite guests, just to whet the appetite of our audience who. It might not be familiar. Um, I know you've had a lot of big names, but are there any, not, not to exclude anybody, of course, I'm sure all of your guests are, you know, are, are special to you, but has there been any, any ones that really stick out over this 15 year, uh, which I know is a really difficult question because like you were saying, you don't particularly look in the rearview mirror, nor do I, uh, I have another podcast where I've done about 430 episodes. And if somebody were to ask me, I'd go, I, I don't remember, but is, is there anything that, that really sticks out that, that made a huge dent in your life that is easy to recall at this moment? I don't know. It, you know, there's a, I'm always, I always enjoy when I get a sense that somebody's embodying a certain thing. You know, it's one, it's one thing when people are really smart and they have really powerful ideas and then there's who they are being, which can speak a lot to me. And um, I think it was last year I interviewed Hicks and Gracie and I'm, I'm not a, he's a legend in the world of yeah. uh, MMA, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um, I don't follow that world at all. I have friends that are a part of it. And, but he and I just connected really quickly and I was very nervous going in act thinking, I, you know, this man's not going to want to have anything to do with me because I don't go, I don't do Brazilian jujitsu, but he was such a loving, 
um, heart-centered person. And I, it, it was such a great connection. And I was really inspired by that. And then also just seeing what he, how devastating he can be in the ring was really intimidating, but people like that, or, you know, one of my musical heroes, Vernon Reed. Um, I remember, I remember one of the things that I walked away with was just how free his thinking was. And I don't know if my guests got a lot from that conversation, but I remember being so inspired by how free his thinking was and how I didn't get that he had a lot of limitations of what he allowed himself to consider for creative ideas and stuff. And I just was like, wow, what would it be like to borrow his inner map from time to time just to come up with things or to see the world in a certain way? And so those are, again, it's more like the embodiment piece of, of how people view the world. And and sometimes um, I can get a glimpse of what it's like for them to, to navigate the world. And I find that really inspiring. Vernon Reed is such a great example for those that aren't familiar. He's the guitar player for, in, or for I was going to say In Living Color, but for the band Living Color, not the TV show In Living Color. And he is such an interesting guitar player. Um, and the, just the way he even holds the instrument is kind of unique. And the way he moves up and down the fretboard, I don't totally, as a guitar player for 30 plus years, I don't totally understand what he's doing even today. And so he's a great example of somebody that I look at, I go, that's just a different human being. It's like, it's almost like watching an alien play guitar because I, I don't, not really know anyone else who has that particular style. I'm so glad you mentioned him. Um, cause he, I don't think he gets quite his due that, that he is deserved. Yeah. I mean, he's a, like I said, it's just, it's, there's his playing. And whether you, you know, that's a matter of taste, whether you enjoy his playing or not, but his approach to the instrument, his approach to music. And uh, I just, that was really inspiring to me. It always has been. I've been a fan his since, uh, you know, I was in high school. So yeah, um, it was just I, great to well, I'll tell get you, a, a window into that world. It, it, it's, it, yeah, he's fascinating. I, I will say um, somebody that, that I was introduced to through your show, and I can't remember how many years ago, and this person really had a profound impact on my life was Robert Augustus Masters, who uh, oh, yeah. just, yeah, <laughs> just one of those guys where you're like, wow, that's a real human being. And he is, he's, you know, I, I don't know him personally, um, but um, he is, he is right in the same sort of path, I think that you're in. And, uh, you know, just a wonderful author and, and artist of, of his own um, therapist and you know, men's group leader and he does co-ed stuff too, but, um, yeah. boy, he just, he had a profound impact on my life. And he, he wrote a book that I think was talked about on your show called, um, well, he's written a lot of books, but the, uh, which I love the book itself, the title really says it all, which was, um, uh, in, in something about embracing the dragon or anyway, but the, the subtitle was, um, and, uh, uh, I'm oh, sorry something about entering your pain, like release your suffering by entering your pain, essentially. And I was like, what entering pain like that, that doesn't sound fun. And, uh, and I remember reading that book and just being completely like, oh, I can dive into pain and tolerate it and learn how to process it. And then that's actually a good thing, as opposed to like pain, let's get away from that as much as possible. Um, but um, boy, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Robert Masters, and I would have not known about him um other than through your show so i, I really appreciate you know you expose you've exposed lots of your i mean your audience to just people that they wouldn't have had access to i imagine you have lots of those emails and tweets and things over the years of people saying wow i just was really connected with so and so you know i it's interesting because i like i've enjoyed pulling information and 
teachings from people like Robert Augustus Masters who don't sell gazillions of books. They're not really on the radar of a lot of people of these bestseller types. And I think that in my experience, you know, a lot of the best art, best music, the best, even the best kind of the most useful wisdom and the best teachers are, are under the radar. Yeah. And it takes a little work to dig them out. They're not on the New York Times bestseller list. There's some great stuff on the New York Times bestseller list. But like I said, the people that impact us typically the most aren't, aren't on that list or they're not the most visible folks. And so it is fun to find these people and shine a light on them as best as I can and say, look, this guy or this woman, she's really got the goods. This is, this is really powerful stuff. Like, I know you really want to, you're really hot shit for this. You know, this guy over here is the the latest person of the minute, but yeah. this teachings, these teachings are really, really powerful. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that, uh, that, that process of trying to draw out those folks because they're harder to find, but I think they're, they're far more interesting and far more impactful. Yeah. And, and they're just, they're just such treasures when you're like, how is that? No, you know, nobody knows about this person and, and you get to bring them to you know, a larger audience and a larger stage. And, um, boy, I'm, I'm so grateful to you for, for finding some of these people who, um, who, you know, uh, whom I wouldn't have ever found prior. Um, I would love to learn a little bit more about the coaching that you do for men. Uh, I'm curious if you've seen I imagine there's, you know, a certain number of issues that you see over and over again. Um, over the years, have you seen anything start to sort of rear its head more commonly today? Or are we seeing issues that are coming up now um, that maybe weren't as present, you know, back when when you first started? Like anything that's, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, social media or if it's, you know, relationships or, you know, is there anything that men seem to really be struggling with? And again, I know everybody's different, but um, are you seeing any patterns these days that that you've noticed? You know, when I first started out in, in coaching, it was very much related to the men's work or the men's culture stuff that I was very much a part of at that time. And so a lot of it did have more of a healing context. And there was, there was much more familiar territory to do that. And I realized after a few years that I didn't, it wasn't really enjoyable for me. And I didn't feel called to do that work. My wife is a therapist. I know lots of other therapists. I know lots of other people that identify as healers and I see where they are drawn to that type of work. And so I made a conscious effort to come back to more of my roots, which is creative energy. What are we here to create in our lifetimes? What are we here to experience in our lifetimes? And ultimately that's going to challenge us to get out of our own way or confront our fears or confront our doubts and all of that kind of stuff. And so I, I, in terms of the types of people that I work with, they are asking themselves the bigger questions. Okay. You know, now that I've done X, Y, Z in my life, what am I really here to do? Yeah. Um, okay. I've been on this growth path for a while. I think I'm outgrowing my career. I think I'm outgrowing my relationship. That's very common. Um, there's, there's there's this sense that there's more to life than getting better at getting by and accumulating more shit and, and and trying to impress people and that type of thing. So a lot of the guys that I work with are wanting to do experience more meaning, have more impact in the world. Um, and it's scary. It's scary. Like we were talking earlier, it's, it's scary to move into that unknown. I could fail. 
I could go backwards in terms of my lifestyle and things that I'm used to in terms of comfort and those types of things. And, you know, along the way, we bump into things that are, that are holding them back that, that do require healing. And I work uh, side by side with more therapists and healers and those types of folks that, that pop in, but in the stuff that's usually in the way to answer, to get back to answering your question, the stuff that's usually in the way is they are proving something. So beyond just, I need to, you know, pay the bills and make sure I don't, you know, live on the street, that, that big fear, which the scarcity kind of thing, which usually has them make way more money, much way more money than they really ever need. But beyond that is the, I'm still trying to prove something that got jabbed in me as a kid or in middle school. And this one comes up a lot. And it's usually a big blind spot for a lot of guys that if it's, it's, it puts a foot on the brake that if they feel that they're going to somehow be seen in a certain way, or they're going to see themselves in a certain way, uh, somebody else might criticize them in a certain way. They, they really, they have no idea how much of their lives is wrapped up in proving that they're not a loser, proving yep. that they're not insignificant, proving that they are just fill in the blank, but it, it blows them away when that is usually revealed. And it is often revealed in our work because it's usually the thing in their way. It's like, well, I, I'd love to make this change in my life, but I also really need to be important and significant and special and powerful and all of these other yeah. things. So I'm not going to do, do anything to jeopardize that. Well, if we can relax that, well, who would you be if you didn't have anything to prove? Right. What are you talking about? Like, it's just, it's unimaginable to start to play with that. But once they start to relax that, there's a deep sense of peace there. Oh, wow. I have, I don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. And it's not the posturing of like, I'll show you, I don't have to prove anything to you. It's like, well, you're still in it then. But this yeah. genuine relaxation of yeah, I don't feel like I have anything to prove anymore. Now I'm just open to this exploration and curiosity that of how I want to experience the short time I have on this planet. And there's something really powerful in that. And usually it ends up drawing in even cooler opportunities and things that they couldn't imagine when they were in this defensive position. Yeah, it's it's funny when you were saying, well, not funny, it's, it's just interesting when you were saying that I was thinking I have a desire to be seen as put together and we'll say, okay, meaning not struggling, because that's how I feel secure, even though inside I know I'm struggling in, in lots of different ways, but I don't want anyone to know, not because intellectually, cognitively, I know if I were to tell my close friends and family, here's where I'm struggling, they're not going to run away screaming, or they're not going to yell at me or scream at me, they're going to want to support me. And, and, but because I have that thing that says, I don't want anybody to know that I'm struggling because that equals some, something that I don't want to face, um, some sort of vulnerability. Uh, it makes it hard, uh, for me to want to share the hard things. Um, so I, I totally understand that. And, and I, I'm in uh, a men's group too. And, and every two weeks when we meet, I have to really push myself to find the courage to tell the truth um, and to say, here's here's what's not going well. Here's what I can't seem to figure out. Here's where I'm struggling. And I don't always do it. Uh, sometimes I just I just can't find that courage. So I, I absolutely can appreciate what you're saying because you're right. It really does go beyond, hey, I want to achieve X. I want this in my life and I'm going to hire a coach because you know I want to get to that 
you know, million dollar salary or, or the perfect relationship or being the perfect father or whatever the goal might be. It's probably a, a lot of your work, I suspect is, is the other person going inside and saying, okay, well, what's stopping you from, from getting, heading that, in that direction. Um, and it's usually some sort of, uh, I won't say necessarily limiting belief, but some sort of trauma or wound that gets really activated. Like you were saying, the moment they move just slightly outside of the, here's what I deserve uh, level, or here's, you know, I'm heading into this new thing and it's real scary because it's going to expose this, these, these vulnerable parts of me to the world. Um, I imagine that must be an incredibly rewarding thing for you as a coach to see when somebody moves into the space where they're able to take those courageous steps forward, um, despite the fact that they have these things pulling on them saying, no, no, stay where you are. Yeah. And I, you know, the, our work in the world, let's just pick that one. It can be a transformative path, but, you know, I, I got to where I was very comfortable doing men's work type stuff and, you know, the things up in the mountains and everybody's sitting in a circle and sharing feelings and all that, that, that wasn't an edge for me. And what be, what was an edge though, was building my coaching business. And I'd previously had a business, but I was able to hide behind the brand. It wasn't personal. It wasn't about me. And so as a coach, it was, it was really scared. I was really scared to, to do it and also get good at it because of the responsibility that comes with it and all the fear. So definitely had a foot on the brake. And I think I got cooked more from the process of building the coaching business that I wanted than any of the stuff. I would have gladly gone up in the mountains and done some weird shit with crystals and drums and naked people running around. Like what are like, Oh, hell yeah, I'll do that all weekend. If that'll help me heal this thing. No, sure. it, your, your stuff is to go into the world <laughs> yeah. and talk about how you help people and actually help people and do the work. And I was like, yeah. Oh man, just, just let me go up in the mountains with some guy with a beard and a weird name. You know, it's like, I'd rather hang out with that and do that stuff. So it's, it's, you know, I, I do love that, that our work in the world, just as an example, or this, whatever shift we to make in our relationships is really the trenches. Like it's really where we, we transform, not just for the sake of transformation, but really that um, maybe like what Augustus masters was talking about. Like, it's just like, whether you call it the pain, but it's like the place I'm avoiding. I get to, I get to be more of myself on the other side. Yeah. It, you, you have to sort of turn your face into the wind uh, a bit, but having a guide there holding, holding your hand, so to speak, and, and teaching you that it's, it's an okay, it's okay to take those steps and, uh, is, is really, really something, um, powerful. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about the men's work that I've been involved in, in different, um, uh, programs. And I, I I'm curious, I, I, I think it seems to be a common theme for men who get married, have children, you know, busy being a parent, busy being, you know, some sort of, um, you know, worker in the world and, and trying to support family, friends, um, you know, run a household, uh, be in a, have a great marriage. Um, I, you know, this idea of embracing all parts of, of masculinity, sort of the good boy part of being a man and the bad boy part of being a man. And I don't mean bad boy, like bad behavior, but sort of the behavior that, you know, maybe is more primal to us. And I, I've always loved your David Lee Roth story because I think it really illustrates um, something that I think a lot of men are longing for that they haven't, that they maybe could reconnect with, something they had maybe when they were a child, a little boy that seems to 
not be as well received or, or supported uh, in, in, you know, modern day culture, which is, so do you mind sharing just the David Lee Ross story before I bore the audience with my wind up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try. Yeah. So I, in a, in a nutshell, I got to spend some time with uh, David Lee Roth, the legendary singer of Van Halen. And this was a guy who on stage, you know, he, he wore pants without the ass in them. And, you know, he's just this, he's this crazy man. He was the wild man. And, um, and then in real life, we went to an, a gentleman's establishment. We'll call it that. This was years ago. And, um, I, it's somewhere in the back of my mind. I was like, well, am I going to see this, this legendary wild man figure? And he was, a, he was a total gentleman. And, um, we sat in a booth and we all just talked and listened to Van Halen stories. And it was a, a sweet time. Um, I was fortunate to have a, a really sweet time with him. And, and, uh, it was one of a few times that I got to kind of be around him and hang out. And what did we learn from that? What did we learn? So there's this idea that when we have a, when we have an outlet for our wild man, that part of us, that is scary, that part it's scary to us and also scary to other women or other people or whatever. It's, it, it, I mean, you got the most dangerous thing on the planet. It's a man. <laughs> Statistically speaking. <laughs> yeah. We cause got, a lot of problems. <laughs> we got, we, we're kind of the, we're the worst. We're the root of most problems. We're the weak, the weak link here. So, um, yeah, there's there's reason to to fear us, and it's there's reason to fear this wild man. And there's you know Iron John, Robert Bly's book, and all sure. that kind of stuff to kind of kind of get back to this this part of us that we are typically disown at a pretty early age, and then we wonder why we don't experience aliveness. We wonder why we don't experience any kind of real juice in life anymore. And um, the the fear is, is that if we get in touch with this part of ourselves, this part of us that's abhorrent and deplorable and uh, it's dangerous, it's going to wreck our lives. And, and a big takeaway there is like, well, when we have an outlet for him, when we make friends with him, when we have a relationship with him, um, then he's less scary he, he we don't have to keep him in a cage and and so the being in a relationship with him means yeah i'm in touch with what he wants I'm, I'm in touch with what he says i'm in touch with what he's thinking and feeling and i also have an outlet there's a there's a place for us to play there's a place for us to to experience those things and to do so safely it's keeping it caged up is usually what has us get into the depression and the anxiety and the drinking and the self-medicating because we have these parts of ourselves that aren't allowed to be there. And just the wild man is just one of them. There's a, there's a lot of them. It could be our grief. It could be all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, our ability to find that. And then the step forward is like, can I even, can I bring that into my relationship? Ooh, can I bring that in my relationship? And that's something my wife and I talk about and, um, yeah, there's there's ways to do it, and there's ways to do it where it it feeds the relationship. It it brings energy and vitality into the relationship. It takes skill. It's not an act to play, but uh, but again, it's part of developing that trust with ourselves. And then it's it's such a gift to have access to that energy and that vitality. Though. Yeah, it's it's you're you're so absolutely right. Like bringing that sort of the, those parts of us that would be appropriate to bring into a relationship 
that you know the the shadow parts that if we can you're right it, it can be tricky um because you want to do it in a way that that you know if you want to bring it into a relationship you have to make sure that that you're doing it in a way that's respectful to the other person but boy i know my girlfriend um would is absolutely thrilled when i can bring a little bit of my wild man into our relationship because it actually helps satisfy some of her her needs um she wants a partner that is fully expressive you know but it's also respectful and empathic and, and a good partner and all of those things but she wants she wants all of me and she doesn't necessarily need me to be ashamed of x y and z i'm ashamed of x y and z she's she's not and so if i can bring that into our relationship she now sees more of me i can express that with her um and so i imagine you know there's there's a lot of coaching around how to introduce some of these elements of us that we keep hidden you know um you know into our reintegrating them into our lives um I know you you spent a lot of time uh, with Ken Wilber, who uh, you know created the Integral. I think it was Integral Institute, but Ken Wilber, for anyone who's listening, is is just one of the one of the smarter smarter people I've ever come across. Um, and uh, you know he's a lot of he talks a lot about integration and this idea of integrating all of all the parts of us together um, is is quite a, quite a task. But boy, uh, you you get some pretty magical results when when you when you introduce these shameful parts into, you know, your regular daily life. You know, and it's also not, it's, it's been my experience where the idea of it's far more scary than the reality. And I'm thinking yeah. to a recent thing that I brought to my wife and I was like, you know, I think I want to, I'm, I've been afraid to bring this part of myself into our relationship. I've always been afraid to bring this part of myself into it. And um, she's like, yeah, I've got, I got space for that. Let's, you know, and yeah. I was like, oh, well, I don't think you do. You know, <laughs> this is pretty ugly. <laughs> this is going to get really big and crazy and weird. And and she's like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. And we we talked about it and set up some kind of some safety stuff around it. <laughs> and then I remember actually doing it. And it was just kind of like a, oh, well, <laughs> like, it just wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But in my mind, it had been built up. And I think sure. this is the lesson to take away is that it's far more scary the idea is far more scary of this part of ourselves than it typically actually is and when we give ourselves relationship to it, it just becomes another spoke on the wheel that we have access to and and can be expressive with instead of oh this is a grenade and it's just going to get rolled in the room and blow everything up yeah well that's the fear right that that that, that these parts of us that we don't necessarily love uh but but they're there, um, that they're going to somehow destroy the world. They're going to take over. They're going to ruin everything. And we will, like you said, be, be out on the street and, uh, with cold and alone. And, um, the reality of it is that typically I, I find through that intimacy is usually built through vulnerability. And as far as I can tell, vulnerability is about expressing the parts of us to other people that we don't necessarily want other people to see. And so it's like this odd sort of, uh, sort of a cosmic joke that like the thing we're, we're most scared of is the thing that binds us together intimacy. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying, what I'm getting from what you're saying is a lot of communication. So it seems like you help facilitate internal communication, you know, me with myself, if you were my coach helping, you know, me figure out what's stopping me from maybe pushing forward in certain areas of my life or, you know, having certain things that I want. And then also, you know, having 
better communication with my partners, uh, or my, in this case, my, my girlfriend or my boss or my children. Um, it seems like a lot of it is, is around facilitating, you know, honest and authentic communication. Would you say that's a big part of kind of what you do in coaching? Yeah. Relationship to self and then relationship to other. I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, most of us feel stuck or trapped because we don't, we don't, we're not talking to ourselves. We're not really honest with ourselves and we don't believe we can be honest with others. And so that's the box we're living in. And then if you flip it, life's, there's just so much freedom. There's spaciousness, there's ease when, okay, there's a challenge. We can deal with it. We can talk about it. We can find solutions. But when, as soon as we believe that we can't talk about something and there's, therefore there's not going to be a solution. We just put a lid on this boiling pot of water. It just gets, it's just going to overblow. So, yeah. Um, so I, I just have one, one final question for you, which is around, uh, you know, I don't know that you have a, you know, sort of guest list, uh, that, that you haven't yet got to, is there any guests that you've been trying to get for, for, you know, years or, or currently that you are really excited and haven't yet landed a conversation that, that you're super excited to have, but haven't quite got it done yet. <laughs> well, this is kind of cheating, but I, I just recently was reading something about Martin Luther King. I was like, man, I would love to learn from him. Um, just, uh, I was, I was really inspired by how he was approaching his challenges in his, in his personal life. But then also obviously with, you know, a world that was essentially slinging shit at him and, and completely misunderstood and vilified and wow, what a superpower. And, uh, he was a human being. He was, he was, yeah, he was a man. He, he had his flaws and he had his challenges. Did. And, um, I was, I just find I, I just really inspiring and obviously missed that opportunity by years but um that that was the that's the first person that came to mind that's that's a big ask yeah gandhi is uh gandhi's kind of have has a somewhat of a similar sort of you know um you know legend because you know he took down the british empire by basically sitting down and saying i, I don't think i'm going to eat anymore and you know, he was an attorney and, and, you know, uh, Martin Luther King also, or Martin Luther King Jr. was, was nonviolent and, and basically changed, changed our, at least in the United States, changed our entire culture and, and, you know, precipitated a movement. Um, so yeah, that it would be fascinating to, to hear, uh, to speak to, to those, those, any, either of those two guys, of course. Um, well, uh, let's tell me about the podcast. Um, so it's, it's, you've gone about 15 years now, which is amazing. And I know it's a grind cause I've been doing a podcast for, for some time, not that long. Um, what, what keeps you going? Is it, is there always somebody new and exciting to speak to and have a conversation with, um, you know, tell us about new man. Well, I mean, it's evolved tremendously over the years and, um, you know, I, I've entered into a new relationship with it by really focusing on the conversations I love having, which are coaching conversations. And I'd had this idea for many years to to do coaching conversations, but it didn't feel ethical to me. I didn't like the idea of recording a call and being like, hey, do you mind if I turn this into a podcast? And my wife was like, well, just ask people if they would be yeah. open. And I was like, oh, so just, I could ask for what I want. I could ask like. I could be upfront about it. And, but then immediately the, the challenge, the, the belief was like, well, nobody would sign up for it then. Sure. You know, so there was this idea that somehow I would have to coax people that didn't feel right. So I wasn't doing it. And so I put out uh, one little email and had 
huge response of people that wanted to have the call. They were really excited to do it. And, and so this has reinvigorated me because I, you know, it's one thing to talk about ideas and it's another thing to witness the process of change taking place. And, you know, that's, that's what I do every day as a coach. And so I just find that far more impactful, like coaching conversation versus a conversation around these three ideas from some guy's book. Um, that's, that's great. And that can be powerful, but something about watching another person go through a process or find something out about themselves shifts something within ourselves. And that's the feedback I've been getting as folks are listening to it. I had one guy say, you know, he had to pull over and, and listen, he was so impacted by another man's process that, that something was shifting in him and he had to pull over and was like, you know, you, you, you're not going to get that from, you know, here's the three tips from this new book kind of. You know, that's a really good point. I'm so, so grateful that you said that because it reminds me of there's an expression at Victories, which is not, I'm sure, native to Victories, but it's one man's work is every man's work, right? And so this idea that witness, just by witnessing someone else's work, it can move the ball forward for you. It can move the ball down the field. It, it can, or at least change things, change perspective. It can, it can twist and, and you're, you're so absolutely right. So I love that. So in a, in a way you're witnessing w- being a witness to someone's coaching is uh is an opportunity to sort of do a little work yourself as you're observing them doing their work absolutely and you know women have been a part of it as well it's been really exciting to also work with women um i'm not sure how much the new man is a great description of anything that i've ever done cuz i don't know if it was ever really specific for men but um, because there's just a lot of women that listen to the show as well. So it's been great to play with that as well. And and it's a it's I just really appreciate the challenge. Well, I, I am again, I'm just the biggest fan. Um, I want everybody, I would encourage everyone to please subscribe to trips podcast the new man podcast it's again the original man's show i I, again we don't know if that's uh if that's absolutely the case but it's probably the longest running men's series out there and there's like a billion podcasts these days so uh it is a great one and trips uh guests list is is just incredible and now with these coaching calls you get to sort of get a, a a bird's bird dog view of what goes on in some of these sessions and by the way, Trip also it has coaching client opportunities. So if you are looking to take sort of, if there's something that you're feeling stuck by and you really need someone to help you through that and get to that next level, uh, Trip would love the opportunity to chat with you as well. You can check out the newmanpodcast.com, which is everything Trip related. And, and at the very least, please check out the book. This book will make you dangerous. It's basically everything Trip's learned over the years of having these experiences and these conversations. And it's it's a fantastic it's a fantastic read. And really, uh, we're, we're the men's sort of. And, and again, I know you don't just work with men, but the men's. I don't know, space uh, is definitely greater for for you being in it. And I really appreciate your dedication to helping as many men as you can. Um, and, and you've just touched a lot of men in your life with with your service. So I, I consider your podcast to be really uh, of great service to to men who listen. And so really encourage all of our uh, all of our members to check out New Man Podcast. You will get tremendous benefit. And you'll get exposed to a lot of different people with a lot of different viewpoints. Um, and Trip is a great host as well. So buy the book, 
check out trips coaching listen to the podcast uh everything trip is 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 my advice for uh, for 2023 so trip we really appreciate your time um this has been a real joy of mine i i've been following you from afar for Oh gosh, over over twelve years, I think. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and glad that you were able to take time to chat with our audience. Thank you so much, DJ. I appreciate the praise, and it, it's great to connect with somebody who's you know been so familiar with the the journey as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. And again, um, on behalf of all of our viewers, or actually our listeners, because this will not be a video podcast. Um, on behalf of everyone listening, we. Trip and I thank you for making it to the end of our episode. Please, the best way you can help us continue to grow is tell a friend. Think of one other man that could benefit from hearing this great conversation with Trip and send them a link over to our podcast. You can find us anywhere podcasts are served. Just search for Men on Point and hit that subscribe button. And also, again, subscribe to the New Man Podcast, which is Trip's podcast. It's incredible. It's great. Go through his entire archives. I mean, you have, gosh, hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Uh, that are just timeless. And so there's so much great content there. Um, so do that. And on behalf of Trip and myself, we say thank you to everyone for making it to the end. On behalf of the audience, we say thank you to Trip for spending an hour with us. Trip, thank you. And we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks, Trip. Thank you.